story of four people. Everybody, somebody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Now, anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody became angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. So it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Somebody say with me, just do it. Just do it. When we talk about just doing it, you may ask the question, how can anybody do what everybody is supposed to do and can do? We need to identify what exactly it is we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. And from the Word of God, we discover that there are at least three layers that are connected to what it means to do the work of the ministry. The first part of it involves being built up or equipped to do the work by the pastor and gifted leaders and teachers so that you will know how to do the work. It means being built up to do the work. Secondly, doing the work involves building up one another as you are doing the work. Ephesians 4 talks about this in Ephesians 4, chapter 4, verses 11 through 14, building up one another that we may find ourselves fully mature in Christ. So building up one another as we do the work. And the third part of it is bringing others to Christ and making them disciples who make disciples, which is the work. The work is making disciples, bringing people to Jesus. And the way that we will do the work is by being built up, building one another up, and bringing people to Christ and teaching them how to bring others to him, which is the work of the ministry. As we mourn the death of more than 900,000 Americans that have been taken out of this world because of COVID-19, and we move forward to our new normal, the enemy of our souls who comes to kill, steal, and destroy continues to set his sights on the church. Satan is using and trying to use, I should say, fear, misinformation, and disinformation to prevent the church from reconnecting to do the work of the ministry. For the world to be reached with the message of Jesus, somebody's got to tell them. If someone had not told me about Jesus, I would still be lost in my sins. And if somebody had not taught me how to share my faith, I would have never led anyone else to Christ. Someone equipped me to do the ministry in order that I might be a voice in a dark world for Jesus. 
In fact, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, how can or how shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher or a kerugma, a proclaimer, someone that will tell the world about Jesus? The Bible says, be ready to give an answer to every man who asketh a reason of the hope that is within you with fear and in trembling. And so the message that involves doing the work means that somebody can do what everybody who names the name of Jesus has been called to do. We have been called to lead others to Jesus. One of the blessed privileges that I've had in my experience as a father is to lead all four of my children to Christ. And uh, it, wasn't, it never passed my mind or it was a consideration that that was somehow the responsibility of the church. No, I, I wanted to have that experience of telling them about Jesus and knowing for myself that they had made the profession. Now, I've had questions from time to time, but uh, I, I'm, I'm convinced that the, the gospel was shared and it was received because I told them. I told them. I just did it. Somebody say, just do it. Just do it. Now, the Lord has told us that the harvest is plentiful, and he's calling for laborers like Paul and Silas in the story that we're going to be considering today to just do it. Now, when we come to this section of Scripture, we have the privilege of looking back and seeing the end of the story. We, we, we can sit in our chairs and have popcorn and have a beverage of our choice, and we know that it had a happy ending. But as the Apostle Paul and Silas were experiencing this in real time, this was not a good day. They did not know how it was going to turn out. Uh, they were not in the comfortable confines or confines of the church sitting on cushioned pews. They were in a place where they had already been mistreated. They were in a place where they could have questioned if the Lord was even there because of what was allowed to happen. And the scripture tells us, as we look at the account, and, and beginning actually begins in verse 22 of Acts chapter of, of 16, it says, Then the multitude rose up against them, a mob surrounded them. And the magistrate, the officials, tore off Paul and Silas's clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. How'd you like to experience that? Some of us have been reluctant. I'm not a needle taker. I'm not a vac uh, vaccine person. I got the vaccine, praise the Lord. But if I could avoid a needle, I would, I'd be glad to volunteer you to take my place. But they were beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailers to keep them securely. So they were thrown into jail. And if you read the context, the, the, what they had been charged 
for what they were, what they were being uh, thrown into jail for because they simply talked about Jesus. Having received such a charge, he was put into the inner prison and fastened their, he put them in the inner prison, fastened their feet in stocks. They put them in chains, y'all. How many of you would agree, as I've already said, this wasn't a good day? This was one of those days when I could hear myself saying, why me? Why, why, why me? I could hear some of us saying, well, I didn't join the church to, to be dealing with this, this kind of nonsense. Uh, I, I think I'm about to check out. Maybe I might consider becoming something else other than a Christian. But as you read further in verse 25, the Bible says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, back still bleeding, wounds still open, legs still locked in stocks, surrounded by prisoners in a dingy, dark, cold cell. And the Bible says, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately the doors were open and everyone's chains were loose. Now, Paul and Silas did not know any of this was going to happen. They were just praising the Lord. And the keeper of the prison awaked, who was keeping, who was asleep, and seeing the prison doors open, was supposed that the prisoners were going to flee, decided that he needed to commit suicide. Notice as we unpack this passage how the apostle Paul and Silas did not allow their bad day, their two-year hiatus from church because of COVID, to prevent them from doing the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry did not stop because Paul and Silas were in prison. It did not stop because they didn't know what the ultimate outcome of their imprisonment was going to be. It did not stop because their backs were bleeding. It did not stop because they were in pain. It did not stop because they were in isolation. It didn't stop. But they had a just-do-it spirit, the work of building up one another and being built up and reaching sinners does not stop because of circumstances. In fact, the church flourishes most when it is in the fire because we have a, we have a, we have a fourth man in the fire. We have, a, we have a person in the fire with us. The Bible says when we go through the fire, we won't be burned. When we go through the floods, we will not drown because Jesus is the one who raises up a standard against the enemy when he comes in like a flood. And so the church is at her best when the devil tries to shut our door. The church is at her best when the devil said, hey, ain't coming back. Oh, no, devil, you, you a liar. The church is coming back. But not only are we coming back, but the work never stopped. The work never, never stopped. I'm so grateful for the souls that have been saved. I'm so grateful for the testimonies that we receive. I'm so grateful that our church is building up one another through life. I'm so grateful that we found the Lord to be faithful and true. In the midst of our storms, he has kept us. Somebody say amen. Somebody say just do it. Just do it. 
I may be in my prison. I may be going through. I may not know the full outcome of all that I'm facing. But what I do know that the work must go on and what I do know that the Lord said he will never allow me to be tempted beyond what I'm able to bear. But with every temptation, with every trial, with every test, God said, I will make a way. Somebody is a witness that he's made a way. Has he made a way? Just do it, church. Just do it. Now, here are three things that I want you to understand as we go through the passage and come to a conclusion of the series, reconnect in order to return to the work. The first thing is doing the work of the ministry has never been easy. It's never been easy. Verses 22 through 24. Secondly, doing the work of ministry will cause pain that is intended to produce praise. The pain that you've gone through for these two years, there's a purpose behind it. God wants to produce a new praise in you. Your hallelujah ought to be sweeter. (laughs) Your thank you, Jesus, ought to be a little deeper. You ought to run a little faster for Jesus. You, you ought not to be, nobody has to tell you to praise him now. You, you know what he's taking you through. Somebody say amen. amen. Doing the work of the ministry will cause pain that is intended to produce praise. Verses 26 through 20, 25 through 26. And thirdly and lastly, during the work of ministry should continue in spite of your external circumstances should continue. Now, doing the work of the ministry has never been easy. Now, what's interesting, when we go back to the passage, what we normally would concentrate on in my experience of reading this passage, I I think about uh, Paul and Silas are praising the Lord. They're singing hymns, and they're praising God. They're having church in a prison cell. And then the second thing I concentrate on, and and the earthquake shook the entire prison, and, and the chains dropped off. Hallelujah. Oh, man, I get my hoop on off of that. And the chain fell off, and the earthquake came, and now they were free and praised. Oh, oh man, that, and that, that was, that's the sermon. But the real miracle is how the apostle Paul and Silas responded under pressure. They kept serving. They kept doing it. They never lost sight of what, their, what the purpose for their experience was. They did not know that the miracle of the chains falling off and, and, the, and the earthquake, they didn't know that, but they kept praising and serving because their intention was not to be delivered physically. They wanted to be developed spiritually as they obeyed the Lord. Now, notice how the apostle Paul and Silas, his partner in ministry, ended up in prison. We talked a little bit about the horrible thing they did. They told people about Jesus. But to to, to grasp the importance of understanding that we are on an assignment, understanding that we're in the army now and that we need to put on the whole armor of Christ and that that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty because we're in this fight. And the Bible says he does not want us to be ignorant concerning the devil's devices. It said that that when you come under attack as you're doing the work, don't be surprised because doing the work has never been easy. The apostle Paul 
and Silas, a part of the team, which included Luke and Timothy, Aquila and Priscilla. This was the evangelism team that did church planting after they left Jerusalem, and, and they were called uh, uh, to, to reach out. Antioch was the foreign mission, where the foreign mission starts. So they, they're out, and they're, they're planting a church, and they end up in a place called Philippi. It's the first Gentile church that's established. But what's important for us right now is that their intention from verses 6 and 7 of chapter 16 was that they, they wanted to go to Asia to, to plant a church in Asia. And how many of you know there's nothing wrong with taking the gospel wherever people have never heard? That's where they wanted to go. But in verses 6 and 7, the Bible said, but the Holy Spirit prevented them. The Holy Spirit said, no. I, I don't know what your plans are, and, and, and your plans aren't necessarily wrong or right, bad or good. But, but, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will say no because what your plans are, the Bible says, many are the plans that are in the hearts of men and women, but the purposes of God are going to be accomplished, will prevail, because sometimes our plans are not lined up with God's timing. So it doesn't mean that the plan isn't good, but God, God's plan is always better. And so the scripture says they didn't go to the place where they wanted to go because the Holy Spirit said no. Now, just remember that they, now, they end up obeying the Holy Spirit by not going to Asia and say, you know, okay, God's going to bless me now. I obeyed him, and I didn't do what I wanted to do. I put my, plan, my plans and my agenda aside, and I clearly know that my steps are being ordered by the Lord. And so now we feel like we're on, on, a, on, a, on an excursion where the Lord is just going to open up doors for us. But doing the work is never easy. Somebody say amen. The Holy Spirit, in verses 9 and 10, directs them to another place. In verse 9 and 10, the Bible says, and a, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a man from Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice that the assignment changed, but the ministry did not. The work didn't change. The location did. The ministry didn't stop, but the location for how we did ministry for the last two years changed. We've been doing ministry virtually for two years, but the ministry didn't change. The message didn't change, but the methodology had to change, and if we hadn't changed the methodology, then we would not have been able to effectively do the ministry. The mission, the ministry started, and the mission for the church started 2,000 years ago. It hadn't changed. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've taught you. That is the mission. That is the call of the church. Now, the methodology obviously will change depending upon the circumstance, but the work, the ministry goes on. Now, the Holy Spirit, who told them no, not Asia, who, reject, who redirected them to uh, Macedonia, where they started a church in a city called Philippi, 
What he does when you are obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit blesses our obedience. And we see that a certain woman whose name was Lydia heard the gospel. She was a seller of purple. She was a businesswoman from Thyatira. She was a worshiper of God, but she was not a Jewish proselyte. She had not accepted the God of Judaism or, or Christ. The Bible says the Lord opened her heart to heed the things that Paul spoke, the gospel. And when she had heard, not only did she receive, her whole house was saved. Remember this. As we are allowing the Holy Spirit to reconnect us, to return to the work as a corporate body, that the message that we have been called to preach has power, and the only thing that keeps it from being released is that we don't share it. The power of the gospel is in the sharing. Now watch this, watch this. When Paul continued to do the work when he was redirected by the Holy Spirit, he was able to confirm what he had already said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power in the gospel is the deutimus of God. And unto salvation, there's power in the good news concerning the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. When you share that, something explodes in the hearts of those who hear it. But in order for that explosion to occur, we have to be like the Apostle Paul. The Holy Spirit said no. Then the Holy Spirit said go. And when he said go, they obeyed and they shared. And a woman named Lydia, who was a businesswoman, God used that one woman to reach the whole city. I don't know who that Lydia may be in your life. I don't know what God is telling you to do. I don't know what you've been praying about. I don't know the direction that you've been going in. But the Holy Spirit has prevented you by burdening your heart or putting obstacles and closing doors in front of you. And now he opens up another door. And as we go through that door, we continue the mission of doing the ministry. And when we do, that Lydia may be your son, that Lydia may be your daughter, that Lydia may be your co-worker especially the one that gives you the hardest time. Now, notice when the enemy attacked Paul and Silas. The church of Philippi was born out of the witness of this woman named Lydia. And here's the interesting thing. The moment she got saved, she wanted to serve. She said, now you guys got to come to my house. You guys got to come to where I live. You guys got to come to where. And Paul had an entourage. So she was a wealthy woman of business. And she was in. So when you get saved, sure enough, born again. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. All things, when you are new on the inside, the first thing that will evidence that there's a change on the inside is that you want to serve on the outside. You want to do the ministry. She said, come on now. Whatever I have is available to you. And so as they are ministering and they're going every day and they're sharing the gospel, a woman who was possessed by a demon, she was following the apostle Paul and Silas, and she would say, these are the messengers of God, and they are preaching the way to salvation. And everywhere they would go, she would be there to kind of like the public PA system. These are the men of God, and they are preaching the gospel of salvation. The problem was, because she was demon-possessed and, and known in Philippi as a person who was a sorcerer, a, a person who could tell the future, that is, the limited future, but in the, under the 
the power of Satan, the, 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 those who were hearing her attached her to Paul's ministry. And so the scripture says that Paul at some point got agitated with that spirit. The Satan spirit, you ought to be so discerning that sometimes what you're around, you need to call it what it is. Well, I don't know what that spirit may be, but the Bible says that Paul commanded that the spirit come out and that woman was immediately delivered. But because she was a cash cow to her boss, made him a lot of money, it upset him. And so he could accuse Paul and Silas of being guilty of teaching something that was against the Roman law. And so what happens is, when we understand that the ministry is never, doing the ministry is never easy, we need to understand what you're up against. It may not be somebody who's a fortune teller. It may not be somebody that's in astrology. But you need to know, the Bible says that we, the Lord said, be as wise as serpent, but as harmless as dove. We need to understand who we are trying to win. And in understanding, we can, we can consider why don't people receive Jesus? Why don't they, hear, don't they receive Jesus? Why was this man so quick to turn the Apostle Paul? And one of the things that keeps people from receiving Jesus is spiritual blindness. People are spiritually blind. Master's degrees, doctors, doctorate degrees, owning their own companies, et cetera. But the Bible says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, but, the God of this, but if our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost, who the God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not, lest they receive the gospel of the glorious Christ, who is the icon of God, who is the exact replica of God, who is the image of God. And so people don't readily receive the gospel because they are spiritually blind. Their minds are blind. They can't see that they're walking in darkness. And so sometimes we think that the person doesn't like us. Really what they hate is the Jesus in you. And they don't even realize that they hate you because of Jesus, because they are blind. They're not nearsighted. They're not farsighted. They don't need eye correction. They need to be born a second time in order for, that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, except the man be born from above, he cannot see, he cannot comprehend, he cannot understand the things of God. And so there's a blindness that the people that we encounter, they may be nice, they may be religious, they may be family members, but they are blind to the gospel and therefore they reject it. Here's another cause why people reject the gospel. They're arrogant, spiritual arrogance. Say spiritual arrogance. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 18. He said, for the preaching of the cross is to them who are perishing foolishness. It's crazy. It's moronic. It makes no sense. But unto us, Paul says, it is the power of God unto salvation. Unto us who believe, it is the power of God. And so the message of the cross to a non-Christian person is offensive and insulting. To suggest that the only way to God is through Jesus, that's insulting. It's offensive. The message of the cross is to those who are perishing moronic. It makes no sense. That's why we need to, to, to understand that if this thing is going to happen, the Bible says that some plant, come on now, and others what? Water. But God does what? God giveth the increase. Our job is, he said, follow me and I'll do what? It's your job to do the following and, and, and to sow the seed. And, and sometimes you may be watering, but I will make you fishers of men. 
Help me out, church. I got a few helpers here today. Amen. So arrogance is what keeps people from receiving Christ. Spiritual ignorance will do it as well. In Proverbs chapters 14, verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way is the way of death. And so there are people who actually think, I know how to make myself right with God. I'm going to shave my face. I'm going to lose weight. I ain't going to eat pork no more. I'm going to put me on a bow tie. I, 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 I'm going I'm to have 30 days of fasting. I'm going to cut myself. I'm going to lengthen my dress. I'm going to remove my makeup, and I'm going to do all those things, and that's going to make me acceptable to God. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end of that way is the way of death. And so that's arrogant to think that we on our own can make ourselves right with God. But here's the biggest issue. Here's why people don't want Jesus. I want to tell you, see, don't, you can't tell nobody. It's just, it's because everybody that's in this room, you're going to get this secret, and, and it may be the people that listen, they'll hear it too. Here, here's the biggest reason why people don't receive Jesus. Spiritual apathy. <laughs> Jesus said the harvest is white, it's plentiful. The issue is not that souls aren't hungry to be saved, that there's not some low-hanging fruit. He said the issue is the laborers are few. One of the things that, when you read that passage, it's three times in the gospel where Jesus makes this, this statement about the laborers being few. In one of the contexts, it says, and Jesus looked at the, at the multitude. And then the Bible said he was moved with compassion because he saw that they were scattered. He saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. He saw as he looked at them that they were weary, and the Bible said he loved them. If you don't love people who are dying in their sin, if you don't have compassion in your heart, you're not going to care enough to share with them. If you love, Jesus said he was moved to do something for them because he saw their need. Can you look beyond what you want from the Lord and see the needs of those who you work with? See the needs of your family. They may have all of the material things, quote unquote, this world can offer. But I hear the Bible saying, and you know from your experience of knowing them, what shall it profit them if they gain the entire world, but they spend eternity in a Christless place called hell? cause is that we are spiritual, ap ap spiritually apathetic. We think that getting people saved is get them to church so they can hear my pastor. No, the job of sharing our faith is for every Christian. You, Jesus, you shall be my witnesses. If you know enough to be saved, you know enough to lead another person to Jesus. I look forward to when our biblical academy gets fully in gear that we're going to have a course that you can go to to learn how to effectively share your faith, to build up your, your confidence as you continue to share even now. So doing the work of the ministry, it's never been easy. Even when you're in the will of the Lord, it's not going to be easy. Don't get that, don't get that misunderstood or twisted. Here's the second thing. We're moving on. Doing the work of the ministry will cause your pain. That is intended, the, 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 doing the work of the ministry will cause the pain, the pain, with the pain that you're going through to produce praise. The Lord, whatever you're going through right now, all of this pandemic, uh, uh, 
uh, the fear, the isolation, the confusion, the self-survival mode that we've been in, cruise control spiritually, all of that was not intended for us to withdraw from the Lord, but to, to, uh, to, to deepen our relation with him so that out of this would be birthed a deeper spirit of praise. Whatever you're going through, the pain should produce praise. Listen to that. We, 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 we're moving on in verse 25. And when they had laid stripes on them, we saw that they were beaten, thrown in jail, put in stocks. The Bible says around about midnight. Paul and Silas started praying and praising God. He started praising, praising God. And I went through this. I said, uh, Lord, how did, what made them in that situation? I don't know about you. If you've ever been in the hospital or you, you, you ever uh, lost a job or something, something really bad happened to you and, and you, you didn't think it was fair, I don't think most of us would do what Paul and Silas did. They started praising God in a jail cell with chains on their ankles, blood running down their back, and in excruciating pain. How did they do that? Well, here's what we need to understand, because our day's coming. You're even going through, somebody said you're either going uh, through a, a crisis, or, and that's not the word, you're going through something, coming out of it, or heading into it. And so here's how you can prepare so that when you are in your prison situation, when you are in pain, when you don't understand why it happened to you, and yet the ministry needs to go on, you need to uh, hear some things that will help you. Understand that pain, praising God in your pain, pleases God. It pleases God. So the sacrifices of praise is well-pleasing to God. It's easy to praise God when you've got money in the bank. It's easy to pray God when you're healthy. It's easy to pray God when your teenage kids haven't drove you crazy. It's easy to praise God and talk about God is good. All the time, God is good. Let that kid start acting out. But when we understand that in my pain, the sacrifice of praise, when I don't feel like praising him, when I feel like quitting, when I feel like it's not fair, the Bible says when we praise him in our pain, it is well-pleasing. Somebody ought to praise him right now. I don't know about you, but I'm going through a few things. I don't know about you, but my body is kind of, I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm overwhelmed, but in, my, in the midst of all that I'm going through, my praise, driving in my car. You don't have to wait until you get to church. Paul was in prison. They had church in prison. Praise God when you don't close your eyes while you're driving, but praise him. Understand that in your pain, when it produces praise, that God is present. He is present. He is a, the Bible says that the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. And he saved such who have a contrite spirit. He is near. Something about going through. And when I'm hurt the most and nobody seemed to care or understand, when I cried out to God, I found him to be a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. I found him to be the one who would dry my tears. I found him to be an ever-present help in the time of my pain. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Pain, pain, pain has produced praise because I know that God is present. Pain also produces praise when you know that you can place your cares on his altar. 
The Bible says, cast your cares in the midst of my pain. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. He cast his cares on the Lord because he cares. I may be in prison, but I ain't going to carry this. I'm giving it to the Lord. I, I, let me tell you how I know I ain't carrying it because I'm going to sing a song. I, I don't know what song they sing, but maybe it was, oh, how I love Jesus. But somebody say, he made it all. I don't know what he sung, but in the midst of it, he cast. Place your problems on the altar during this time of the pandemic. You ought to know a sweetness about your relationship with the Lord. I pray that you don't come out of the pandemic. I pray that you don't come out of the pandemic the way, the same way that you started the pandemic. Amen. Got a little happy there. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Know that praise is a weapon that confuses the enemy. Praise confuses the enemy. One of the things when you go through the scripture and the Lord would say, the first thing I want you to do, I don't want you to throw a spear. I don't want you to fire an arrow. I want you to have the musicians. I want you to have the singers. I want you to praise, send up praise before me. When the, when the walls of Jericho came down, they were praising God. And that's what brought the, the your praise is a weapon of warfare. It confuses people. You're supposed to be cussing. You're supposed to be getting your hair. I'm going to show you. Let me get some Vaseline and get my skin all right. No, 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 no. Instead, you just say, wait a minute. Let me, let me just have a, I want to have a moment. I want to have a praise session. You don't, I, I, I know it's good to be at church and all that, but you need to learn how to have, have a praise moment on your own. Just in the, in, in the midst of your enemies, the Lord says, I will prepare a table before you. Why can I praise them? Because the Lord has already prepared the table. So have, just have a praise minute. Let me just thank you, Jesus. I know you here. I know it looks like I'm outnumbered. Looks like I'm going down for the last time. My enemy's already counting me as defeated, but I know that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. I know that I am more than the conqueror in Christ Jesus. I know that if God and since God is for me, who can, who can, who can effectively be against me? You got a weapon. Use it. Use your weapon. You need to learn how to praise. Go walking through your house, praising him in your pajamas, praising him at the breakfast table, praising him over the kitchen sink, praising the Lord. Let your kids see you shouting. Let them see you waving your hand. Let them see you twirl around as you think about the goodness of God. Somebody ought to say he's been good. Somebody ought to say he's been better to me than I've been to myself. Praise, praise. Here's, a, here's another thing. Praise, and we're going to have to stop. Praise that comes out of pain prevents you from having whatever you have from having you. You may have cancer, but cancer doesn't have to have you. You, you, you may have a financial problem, but your financial problem can't steal your joy because we understand that God causes what? All things to work together for the good of them who love him and are the call according to his purpose. I may be in prison, but my spirit ain't in prison. I may be going through, but what I'm going through is not going to take me down because the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is on my side. Here's a final thing. We're not getting to the third point tonight. Know that praise activates the power of God. As they were praising the Lord, 
as they were singing hymns, the Bible says that the prison grounds began to shake. The earth under them started to shake. Paul and Silas didn't know, but they kept on singing. They didn't understand, but they kept on singing. They weren't demanding anything from God, but they kept on singing. They weren't decreeing and declaring, but they kept on singing. And as they sung, the power of God was released in such a way that an earthquake occurred. And the shackles came off. Stand with me. The shackles came off. I don't know what you've gone through during these last two years. But the Lord wants to use your pain to produce a greater praise. The Lord wants to understand that the ministry was never intended to be easy. And that the ministry must continue in every situation. Paul, what happens after Paul is set free and the jailer who put Paul in stock, the one who probably beat Paul with the rod, immediately knew that if those prisoners had escaped, he was going to die. So he intended to commit suicide. I don't know about you, but I would have said, he, he, maybe he ought to just, I ain't going to tell him not to. I ain't going to tell him he should. But this, these whips on my back, ain't no, he ain't trying to help me. But no, the apostle Paul said, don't kill yourself. Everybody is accounted for. It's kind of like seeing somebody fall on the floor and you don't know what's wrong. Your first instinct is to help. When you feel the spirit of God and praise is overflowing out of your life, your first instinct is not to be revengeful, not to be unforgiving. But he went into ministry mode. Everybody's accounted for. Then the man said, what must I do? I don't people, I've never seen anybody act like you guys. Whatever you got, I wanted. What must I do to get what you got? I want you to know when you are responding to do ministry in these times, you're coming back into the building church. The church said, the world said the church ain't coming back. The devil is a liar. God said, don't forsake the assembling together of yourselves as the manner of summoning. We coming back. Because we want the world to see. As Paul and Silas were singing, the, the, the other prisoners were watching them. The world is watching the church. Will we return? Will we continue to do ministry? Will you have a just do it spirit? Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, we are so grateful that our praise has become sweeter. That your presence has become even more real. God, we thank you for the miracles that you continue to release as we praise you. When we look around, oh God, sometimes we think the miracle is in the earthquake. The miracle is when the shackles fall off. But no, the greatest miracle that happened in Acts 16 was a man and his family got saved. And that's what Jesus said. You marvel at the miracles and the, that demons are subject to you. He said, no, no. Here's what you need to get excited about, that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. God, we want to be those who are connected with one another to do the work. And Father, I bless you for the privilege of serving you as we have been in a prison-like situation for two years and you've broken the chain. And even in that, God, we, we are so grateful that the ministry never stopped 
In fact, we're about to do it in, in ways that we have never imagined. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. Amen. As we stand.